We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. And uh, across the way, I am joined by Dylan Rubin King, Ducks Digest reporter. Um, we are back for another edition of the podcast, and we are doing a live edition. So if you guys are here on the YouTube channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we are you know, leading off with the uh, Travis Dye news, but we also kind of want to do a little combo here with recruiting and then a little bit of mailbag type of deal. So if you guys are here in the show, uh, you know, on YouTube, we want to hear from you guys, see what kind of questions you have, what's on your mind as Oregon fans, and uh, definitely go ahead and throw us a comment, and we will do our best to, uh, you know, address it, answer your question. If it's that, you know, we want, we just want to get you guys involved and get more interaction because that's a blast. And if you're watching on the replay, thank you so much for watching, and, and go ahead and let us know how you're feeling about the Travis Dye transfer news. Um, so before we get into that, that was a pretty long intro, but Dylan, how we doing, man? It feels like we haven't done one of these in forever. Man, you were pulling a speed demon right there. You were just flying through that. No, no breaks whatsoever. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. It's, it's nice to be back on the stream, have a giant light in my face, um, have some news to talk about. It feels like it's been a little slow the last couple of days, um, with the team. So nice to, nice to have something to talk about. And without a doubt, I mean, yeah, I got the I got a light here too. So you go know, always got to have the the setup right, and then hopefully this video is looking a little bit better than my last one. I, I think I was having some technical issues, but we're working on uh, figuring that out. So uh, you know, ask that you guys have some patience with us. But yeah, we have uh, some crazy news to talk about, so we're gonna get into it right off the top here. Uh, Friday, January twenty first, uh, Oregon running back, former Oregon running back rather, Travis Dye announces his commitment to USC uh, to play under Lincoln Riley uh, for the Trojans in 2022. Uh, you know, for those of you guys that are familiar with Die, you know, that is home in a sense, right? You know, coming from Norco in the Southern California area, uh, he's going to be going back to uh, the LA area, I know, to LA to play his final year of college football. And then before we kind of uh, give our thoughts on this, Dylan, and kind of see some of the comments, I did want to just read uh, Dai's post on Instagram so we could kind of bring his words to light because, you know, everyone's got, you know, you have people who are just super, super upset, like how do you go to USC? And then you have people who are supporting him, which I think is a majority of the Oregon fan base, you know, because this guy just gave his all to, uh, all to this program. So I want to read that real quick, Dylan, and then we'll get into it. 
So you guys can find this letter over on uh, Travis Dye's Instagram, babydye23. My love for Eugene, the University of Oregon, all of my teammates, and the Duck community has made this decision the hardest of my entire life. I will always bleed green and yellow and would not be the man or the player I am today without my Duck family. To the fans, thank you for bringing that energy every Saturday and showing me for four years why Autzen is the best stadium in the nation. People talk about their school and their fans, and I can't do anything but laugh knowing what I got to experience with all of you here. I've had a great number of coaches throughout my four years that I that have challenged me on and off the field, and hopefully I made it perfectly clear that each of you, what each of you mean to me. A social media post can't possibly capture what my teammates, both past and present, mean to me. You are my brothers, and blood couldn't make us closer than we are. I came to the facility every day with the goal of being better than the day before because of you. Having the ability to battle week in and week out with you is an irreplaceable experience, and our bond is unbreakable. I came to Eugene with the knowledge and understanding that I was going to live this community. I was going to give this community rather everything I had for four years. I've tried to do that each and every day because you deserve nothing less. As many of you know, Aaron and I got engaged over Christmas and we're ready to start our life in California together. I'm going back home to play my final year of college football. And then, uh, you know, the next picture in that post is his commitment graphic to uh, USC. Man, what do we, uh, what do we think about this, Dylan, you know, after, you know, hearing what Di had to say and then as we can kind of dig into his career at Oregon and, you know, what the future looks like for the Ducks? Yeah, so the first thing that kind of went through my head was that I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, a lot of people have been have been bashing him. I'll, I'll get to that, in my opinion, on that in a second. But uh, I do know that, you know, we were talking a little bit about um, amongst our group that we kind of saw this as a rumor um, going around Twitter less than a week ago. Um, you know, after it was announced, he was going to enter the portal. What I thought was interesting was we didn't really hear from him. He didn't put out anything like what we saw today saying I'm entering the transfer portal up until, you know, he ended up committing today. So I thought that was really interesting that, you know, he kind of put it all together, um, you know, had the goodbye to Oregon and then you swipe and it's, it's USC committed. I was wondering what that second, second picture was going to be. Maybe I was like, I think it's maybe a highlight reel or something, just, you know, some of his top moments. And then it's him wearing the wearing the burgundy and, and gold. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for him that he's getting to, you know, play back home. I think it's only like 50-ish miles away from where he went to high school. Um, you know, I'm sure USC was probably recruiting him out of out of Norco. So it's nice that he and his, his wife, um, future wife, rather, are going to be, you know, back home. And he's going to be playing, you know, some meaningful football. USC's most likely going to be back. They still have some work to do. But, um, you know, the skill positions are going crazy. So. But the one thing I, I did want to mention is that I've been seeing a lot of people, Instagram especially, but a lot of people kind of tearing them apart for for going to USC, for playing for Lincoln Riley and, and that whole thing. And um, honestly, I think it's it's kind of a bozo move, in my opinion, just, you know, to, to completely bash somebody for a decision that's beyond you. Like he doesn't owe the, you know, the Duck fans like you, you heard him say it. He gave you all four years of, you know, his best and saved his best for last and of course it's it's his decision it's nobody else's but him and his family so i just hope that everybody can kind of understand his decision that it's his and you know just just kind of move on because he had a phenomenal career fifth all-time in program history and rushing yards sixth all-time in scrimmage yards and he carried the oregon offense this past year so i definitely feel like people need to be a little bit more grateful for for the work that he put in the last four years 
Yeah, I mean, Die was a, a phenomenal player for the Ducks. You know, he he took on that RB one role uh, with a lot of grace, and uh, you know, he really I think shouldered those expectations and and played really really well uh, for the Ducks. You know, he was always one of those guys at media availability that I love talking to him, even if we just talked to him, you know, a couple days before because he just he was just you know a really high character guy. Um, you know, wasn't. Uh, wasn't uh, one of those guys that that maybe doesn't want to talk to the media and he was always straightforward and keeping it real with with the reporters and and I, I really uh, I'm really fortunate and grateful that I got a chance to to cover him while, while he was here at Oregon and and um, you know you talk about some of the accolades that he had you know the the, the all-time rankings uh, you know rushing for almost 1300 yards at his final season at Oregon 16 touchdowns behind that great offensive line um, and then adding a little over 400 yards receiving uh, on top of that as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he was definitely, um, you know, I, I think that I was saying this in a past video when he uh, initially entered the portal. I feel like he was kind of taken for granted or, you know, overlooked a little bit when he came to Oregon. And I kind of fall, I fell into that same camp. You know, you got a guy uh, in 2018 class, you know, uh, on the smaller size for a running back, but we've kind of seen a mixture of all different kind of running backs at Oregon, right? You know, you look at, uh, you know, guys like Royce Freeman, Kenyon Barner, then you have DeAnthony Thomas, and then you have Byron Carwell, like, you know, just a bunch of different body types. But I thought that Dye was just a tremendous player for Oregon. And he obviously, he always gave his all. And, you know, I mean, people will say what they want about whether uh, about his uh, willingness to, to wear gloves. But, um, you know, I think he only had... Uh, a couple fumbles, um, you know, while he was here, but I'm going to miss watching him for sure. Oh yeah. You know, his ability to be, you know, such a threat as a receiver as well. You saw that this year. Um, but I always felt like anytime he had the ball in his hands, good things happened. Um, you know, I, I've wrote, I've written that for a while. And I've, I've punched that home for a while about Travis Dye. And I do remember, um, you know, the first Oregon game I ever attended was against Cal in 2019. And um, I know that's, that's kind of crazy for, for someone that covers the Ducks. My first game was only two years ago. But um, I remember he, he fumbled, I think, twice, lost two fumbles in that first half. And people, it just seemed like people were, were kind of done with him. And then the rest of that year, he was, he was very reliable. Obviously, Verdell ran away with the RB1 job that year. He was dominant that year. 2020, it was a mixed bag because Verdell got hurt and Die had to step in. And uh, it just didn't really seem like that run game after the first couple of weeks was, um, you know, as as much of a threat as it was. But this year, you just saw Travis Die do it all. I mean, and it, I think the word that best describes his play is intensity. Um, like he just plays with this with this aggression, this intensity, like I'm going to run through you and I'm going to score kind of thing. Um, you know, you saw that there were a number of times where after he scored, he would just let out a scream. You could just feel, you know, he, he wanted the touchdown. He wanted, he wanted to win so badly. So yeah, USC is getting a great one, but I still think that Oregon, um, you know, is going to have some guys who, you know, can produce. I have all the faith in Byron Cardwell. Um, I have faith in seven McGee. If they choose to keep him at running back, I wonder, you know, maybe what he does next year. And then I have faith in Sean dollars. Hopefully he's healthy and they get to throw him out there a little bit as well. All right, kind of what I want to do now, um, you know, while we're talking about die, I want to talk about USC real quick, because uh, you know, year one of Lincoln Riley has obviously uh, got a lot of people's attention. Uh, Ducks and Trojans aren't scheduled to meet on the field next year in 2022. That is, unless they both uh, end up making it to the conference championship game. But 
in the era of the the transfer portal and you know recruiting is obviously in full effect now that we're uh you know uh in the off season USC has just been going crazy in the transfer portal you know tons of big additions you know uh obviously he dies the the most recent one uh coming today on Friday but they just got Austin Jones yesterday uh the Stanford transfer running back which was kind of crazy because I think when we saw Austin Jones commit I think a lot of people myself included were kind of wondering okay is this maybe indicative of die coming back or Verdell coming back potentially uh maybe the staff feels good about a 2022 recruit that we just don't know yet but we can get into that later um, but yeah, two backs in two days and, you know, Jones was a, a really highly rated, uh, recruit and, um, kind of had mixed success, I guess, at, 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 uh, Stanford, but I thought he was a really good, really good, uh, prospect. And then you got, uh, Latrell McCutcheon corner out of Oklahoma, Brendan Rice earlier this week from Colorado, who, you know, there's some Oregon connection there. Cause a lot of duck fans were, were kind of optimistic or at least curious that, about him coming out to uh, Oregon and then Mario Williams uh, from Oklahoma. So we're seeing a lot of transfer guys from Oklahoma, obviously following Riley to Los Angeles and then Terrell Bynum from Washington. I think that was one that was a little surprising as well. Um, You know, just because we're seeing these new rules uh, that you can, you know, play right away if, uh, if you're, um, if it's your first transfer, right. And then we're tons of movement within the conference. Yeah, I think the the interconference um, movement is definitely interesting. Just bec- with all those guys that have come from Pac-12 schools to USC specifically, and Oregon's even gotten a couple, um, you know, Taimani and, and Christian Gonzalez. Um, but you look at USC, I mean, Travis Dye, you mentioned Austin Jones, Brendan Rice, Makai Blackman, a corner from Colorado, Terrell Bynum as well. Um, and it was kind of scary a little bit at first, like with the direction of USC, right? Because Clay Helton got fired. And then, you know, they, they weren't sure what was going to happen with Dante Williams as their interim and people start decommitting like that whole class is, is scathed, you know, Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal and then they come out and they hire Lincoln Riley out of nowhere. And it's like, okay, then now they're, now they're cooking with fire. Obviously, you know, you can recruit all the offensive playmakers you want. You still have to kind of build in the trenches. You have to, you know, get those guys on defense as well. And they have some highly touted guys on defense that they've been recruiting, but you know, there's still a lot of pieces left. So I wouldn't go writing them up as a Pac-12 favorite. Obviously, the offense looks to be good. Caleb Williams is probably on his way to Southern California, I would guess. I heard it was down between him, uh, between USC and LSU. So my money's on USC there. But USC, I, I like the just the versatility that some of those guys have. Um, you know, you have Travis Dye, a guy that can catch out of the backfield. Brendan Rice is a deep threat. Terrell Bynum is a guy that can you, you can use all over the field. Austin Jones, I feel like, is probably more of like a third down back, kind of short yardage back. So they have some guys that have versatility. Like they're not just getting receivers just to have receivers. Like they, you know, they're probably going to have a plan for them. But the next move is obviously going to be quarterback and offensive line. Um, even though that offensive line last year for USC was, was really underrated, very, very good. Um, I believe they're, they're going to be graduating some guys up front. So, um, I would imagine they're probably going to add some more people through the transfer portal up front. And then got to think Caleb Williams is, is coming soon too. Yeah. I think a lot of people were surprised or are surprised rather that Caleb Williams hasn't, hasn't made the announcement just yet. Um, I got a buddy of mine that is a, a pretty hardcore USC fan and, you know, I'm, I'm texting him about all these additions and everything. And, and he's saying like, you know, he's, he's a little bit more, uh, I guess on the, 
uh, I don't know if I'd say realistic or pessimistic because, uh, you know, USC has obviously got it some crazy tradition, but they haven't been super great uh, of late on the field. But he was saying kind of like what you were saying, like this doesn't mean a lot if we don't have anybody in the trenches or like any like linebackers. So yeah. um, we'll have to see what USC looks like. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see mode as well myself. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I said this when, when Riley got hired, you know, great hire for them and, and they're really poised for success with, with him being such an elite recruiter. Um, but there's definitely a lot of work cut out for him on the current roster and, you know, restoring the culture to, to something that he wants, getting the fans to buy back in, you know, a lot of empty stadiums or, you know, half full, if you want to call it that stadiums last year. So there's work to do, but, you know, I think that with USC being a premier brand in, in college football and certainly in the Pac-12, you know, it's it's always going to be something to talk about. And, uh, you know, the rivalry between Oregon has been one to watch for uh, quite a while now. Um, the last note I kind of wanted to say here before we take an Oregon angle, Dylan, I don't know why I was thinking about this today. I don't really think that these are necessarily comparable uh, recruitments or commitments but like just with how big Die was to Oregon, you know, over his career uh, in Eugene, and then obviously over this last year after Verdell got hurt, and we saw the limits in the passing game, I was like kind of thinking like this almost feels significant, similarly to like when DeAnthony Thomas flipped from USC to Oregon on signing day. Like obviously, totally different circumstances. College football has changed a lot since then. But if I'm a USC fan, I, I would feel a little, you know. I don't know. Like, I'd feel like, okay, we kind of got one back on you a little bit, but it's the transfer portal. So it's kind of a different deal. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was kind of just an interesting note that came to mind. Yeah. And I mean, the other difference is they get one year of Travis Dye versus, I believe it was three, three or four of DeAnthony Thomas. So, sure. um, and then, yeah, DeAnthony Thomas's impact was like kind of a culture shift for, for Oregon. Um, and I don't know if Travis Dye can, bring that in just one year with all the change that they have. But I definitely think he should be their, their lead back next year. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he and Austin Jones kind of do a, a die in Verdell thing. Um, but for, from what I've seen, I, I feel like I'd be comfortable, you know, Travis die being the, the lead back, um, you know, cause Austin Jones, not of no fault of his own. I think he was battling some injuries, but that Stanford rushing attack was, was kind of brutal. I think they were toward the bottom of the, of the country in, in rushing this year with him and Nathaniel Pete. I think they were fifth worst in the FBS, but um, you know, a lot of, a lot of injuries, a lot of offensive play calling weirdness, a lot of, you know, they're playing behind the chains a lot. Like there's just a lot of things that kind of set them up for failure in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe they, they feel USC fans feel a little bit of a, um, you know, we got one because Travis Dye is, yeah, I definitely think he means a lot to, to Oregon and Oregon means a lot to him. So to have a former duck go to USC, um, I'm sure feels pretty good because it seems like Oregon's been getting some wins even, you know, in California for years. Um, and so for them to get a, a guy from Oregon, it's got to be pretty nice. And then, you know, you talk about Stanford with Austin Jones and Nathaniel Pete, they're obviously going to be seeing some change on the farm. I was doing a little research earlier and I think Pete, uh, you know, he was also in the portal. I think he ended up at Missouri. Um, oh. So that that's kind of an interesting move uh, for him, just tracking all the transfers. It's so hard to keep track of all of them, just with the portal absolutely overflowing. But let's shift gears a little bit now, Dylan, and uh, kind of look, look more towards next season, uh, the 2022 roster for the Ducks, particularly at the uh, running back position now, because with Diagon, um, we're, we're getting a little bit more clarity as far as the running back room in the 2022 season. 
Um, we have at least three running backs that we're pretty confident in saying are, uh, you know, locked in with the Ducks uh, for 2022 moving forward here. We've got Byron Cardwell, Seven McGee, and Sean Dollars. Um, you know, kind of the, the notes to know there was that, uh, you know, McGee had announced that he was going to enter the transfer portal or he, he, he said that he was intending to um, enter the portal. And then he met with Lanning and Don Johnson. And then he ended up saying, you know, we're, uh, we're locked in. Yeah, I'm locked in here at Oregon. And then Sean Dollars was like in and out like three or four times, you know, uh, not three or four times, but like he was in, then he was out, then he was in, and then he was out again. Is like, okay, this yeah. is, this is it. I'm staying. So a little bit of a, uh, you know, I was just so surprised to, to see so much movement um, and, you know, all these headlines with the running back position specifically. And then you also can't forget that Trey, Brent, Trey Benson uh, transferred to Florida State. So what's your kind of, uh, you know, what's your view on this position and just how are you feeling, uh, you know, while we're still waiting for CJ Verdell's announcement? Yeah, uh, Verdell's got two weeks from today, I believe, to decide between whether he returns or goes to the NFL. Um, in my mind, I feel like, for Oregon's sake, I think it would probably be safe to say that he's going to the NFL. I think that, um, you know, he's probably proven everything he needs to prove as an Oregon duck to, to go into the NFL and get drafted. The one reason why I would say maybe he decides to come back is because of the durability thing. The last couple of years, he's battled some injuries. You know, he came into last year saying, I want to go for 2000 yards. I want to stay healthy. Didn't happen. So maybe he wants to kind of achieve that next year, but um, you know, at the same time, I, th I think he's proven what he can do at the next level. So, you know, I think that Byron Cardwell is is probably going to run away with the running back job um, just because they started to gain confidence in him last season toward the end of the year. Um, I mean, you see that Colorado game. I think he only had, what, seven, eight carries, had 127 yards in a touchdown. Um, so he's, he's kind of that big play guy. That's something that Travis Dye provided. You know, he's a guy that can rip through any any hole he sees i mean he makes brilliant cuts for a guy that was a true freshman just sees the field really well really good footwork so i have a lot of confidence in him i have a lot of confidence in sean dollars too but i do think that you know the injury thing he's battled that the last couple of years i really want to see if he can bounce back um you know i would think if everybody's healthy he's probably that running back too as everything sits right now and then cross Patton was another guy that i was hoping to maybe see come back but he went on to nevada like a lot of walk-ons did um, go to Nevada. Um, Aaron Smith is a guy I really want to see stick around and maybe, um, you know, get some playing time. I really liked what I saw and heard from him in the spring and in the fall. Seemed like he was a very physical guy, one of the toughest guys in that running back room. Um, and I, you know, he's a, I believe he's a walk-on, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, you kind of know he's, he's probably not going to get a lot of touches early on. Um, but I feel like if the room was to stand as it was, I feel like you could see him get some playing time. But I don't really expect it to stay as it is. I think that the transfer portal might be an option for maybe a running back one or two alongside Cardwell. And one guy that we saw get a crystal ball today, I think it was from Wilt Fong, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. um, was Jarek Broussard, the Colorado running back who won offensive uh, player of the year in 2020 for Colorado. Yeah, there's a, a ton of stuff to get into there, Dylan. I, I want to get to some of these comments and questions in a little bit, but we can. Um, I wanted to, you know, have a chance for us to both kind of say what was initially on our minds, uh, you know, reacting to the news and having some time to process it. But yeah, I mean, Broussard was was a uh, you know awesome uh, as a true freshman, and you know, last year it was kind of a, a, a different story for for him in Colorado. So 
Um, I, I think that he's certainly an intriguing option for Oregon. Um, especially when you look at his body of work in Boulder and the offensive line that he was working with, you got to think that Oregon's looking pretty appealing for him uh, as a potential destination. Um, you know, I don't have any personal intel on that, so um, this is kind of all just you know what what I'm thinking uh, through my head, going through my head after seeing that crystal ball. Um, I know that was a, a big piece of news that was circling over Duck Twitter and in the working community, but uh, Ducks have their entire offensive line except for uh, George Moore returning. Um, and then they still have to figure out the quarterback position. So um, I, I wonder how that maybe factors in for Broussard at all, um, you know, going into a, you know, kind of totally new quarterback situation. You know, you can potentially, if, if Nix does get the job, uh, then you're going to be playing with a guy who's experienced or, you know, you could, in a sense, be rolling the dice, you know, if, if Thompson ends up winning the job or Butterfield, both uh, of whom uh, haven't had any um, starting experience for, for Oregon. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities there, but uh, but yeah, kind of going into what you were talking about with with some of the other backs, I do feel like you know Carwell is probably the the guy that makes the most sense right now to get some some pretty big playing time. Uh, but you know, Seven did flash a lot last year. Um, but the thing that makes it a little bit complicated with him is that because of all the attrition that we've seen at the wide receiver spot, the staff could see that he's better suited to uh you know play some some receiver or you know even if he's moving back and forth between there that's where i i think that they do ultimately need uh to add another back whether it be in the uh high school ranks or the transfer portal we actually did have uh someone tweeted at us uh, a question real quick that i kind of wanted to hit on because i feel like it's along these lines dylan i know you sent it to me right before we started um question from john truman thanks for the question Max, does Oregon need another experienced running back? Or if Riddell comes back, we will be fine. I will take your answer on the air. So, John, hopefully you're tuned in watching. Thanks for the question. Um, I think it's a, a very reasonable question. I think that if Verdell does come back, you know, I think that you could still go for a running back, but you feel a lot better about taking a high school guy because you don't need him to contribute kind of right away type of a deal. Um, it's really interesting to kind of think about Verdell's situation now because – I, on the one hand, since Dye's gone now, I think, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, you kind of want him to come back just because you want a guy who's been here. You know what you're going to get with him. Um, and especially when you're, you know, breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, having a, a great offensive line and a good uh, running back is kind of your best friend type of a deal. Have someone you can, you know, is going to block his butt off for you. Verdell really has uh, done a tremendous job with that. And he's been pretty good out of the backfield as well, catching the ball. But, I don't know if you're Verdell, we haven't really heard from him like all year, pretty much. He's kind of been radio silent since his injury. Um, and I, I wonder kind of how confidently he would step into the NFL draft or come back here just because he's gotten so banged up and you don't see a lot of running backs going super high in the draft. So it's just kind of a tough deal here because, you know, you come back and just the running back position is a position that naturally you take a lot of hits and you're going to get, um, you're going to get banged up throughout the season. Um, his body's been through a lot. So I don't know. He, he's, you know, kind of one of those guys that has definitely become one of the faces of the program. But, um, you know, because of COVID and everything, he still has, uh, you know, another opportunity to come back for another year. Yeah. And I think that, you know, an ACL injury is, is super hard to come back from. And so, I mean, it was, what was that, October, early October, that, um, that Stanford game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're looking at about, I don't know if he would probably be ready for the spring, 
because that's only what six months. So you probably you might not even see him at the beginning of the year if he comes back because I feel like the kind of the normal recovery is like eight to ten months for a torn ACL. Um, so I'd probably say you could see him in fall camp, but I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure. So that's why I think getting an experienced running back would help, especially when your first game is against Georgia. Um, I feel like having an experienced running back that you can rely on that won't be coming off of that injury, you know, will be practicing with the team, with the ones. I feel like that's a, a safe bet. Um, high school, I agree with you. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a priority just because the, you know, the talent pool in 2022 is not as, as uh, deep, especially with, you know, signing day being only a couple weeks away. Um, so I, I really think that a transfer portal addition would be would be key. And I think Bruce Ard is probably a top priority. Another guy I thought would be a nice fit is uh, Buffalo running back Dylan McDuffie had uh, over a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns over for Buffalo. Um, you know, only one year as kind of a starter, but I feel like that's another guy who, you know, could kind of fit that mold as a, as a starter with experience. All right. Yeah, that's a, a good name to keep an eye on. I, I hadn't even heard of him until you, you mentioned him now. So I got a little bit of research of my own to do. Uh, do you want to get to some of these comments and questions before we kind of shift, uh, you know, to some more visitors that are coming and, and want to talk about the uh, um, big recruiting weekend for the Ducks. So this uh, question and comment comes from Christopher. Thanks for the uh, thanks for your words here on the show. Christopher says, with the transfer portal in full swing, is there any need to bring in more running backs since we already have Dollars, Carwell, Seven, and the stud coming in from Georgia? Um so the first thing I kind of just wanted to say there, I mean, that that is one of the reported visitors um, kind of for this weekend. Uh, a lot of people have kind of heard about him throughout the day. Uh, but the I'm assuming that Christopher is talking about Jordan James, the uh, running back currently committed to Georgia. Uh, he is from Oakland High School out in Tennessee. Um, I So, yeah, I just wanted to stress that, you know, it was reported that he was visiting this weekend, but I uh, haven't been able to confirm that. I, I got his phone number, but. Uh, didn't hear back from him, so maybe he's already on the visit, you know, spending time with the coaches and everything. But I don't know. I think I think a lot of this really hinges on Verdell coming back, right? And then what we see what we see on the recruiting trail, maybe if they do end up taking a younger back like James, for example, I think that I think kind of how I feel like is if if you take a guy from the prep ranks, Dylan, then you're probably confident that Verdell's coming back to a degree. Is kind of what I'm saying. Maybe I'm reading into that too much, but if Verdell doesn't come back, I think you kind of want to add a little bit more of a veteran presence there. And then you see a, a Broussard or someone else maybe come in from the portal um, that is, is maybe, you know, a little bit more suited to contribute right away because, you know, they have that, that experience, but I don't know. It's kind of an interesting balance to juggle here because you don't see a ton of running backs uh, contributing as true freshmen all the time. But at, the, but at the same time, I don't know how how much experience should be a prerequisite for a position like running back versus like quarterback or corner, because um, I know that's you know that's another thing we're maybe going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah, or offensive line, especially when, like I said, your first game is against Georgia and all those insane athletes on their defense. I think if you're Oregon, the one thing that kind of scares you a little bit is the fact that Verdell's deadline is two days after the signing day. National Signing Day, because I think Verdell's is the fourth and then National Signing Day is the second, if I have my dates correct. Um, and so I feel like the 2022 running back class, like I said, there's not as much talent. 
Jordan James has kind of been sticking around because he committed, well, it was almost a year ago, I think March of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been taking visits elsewhere. Um, kind of a speedster, 5'10", 205. I like the body build. Kind of the same as, as you know, uh, Travis Dye coming in. A little heavier, though. Um, kind of like what Dye is now. And so I feel like if you bring in, um, you know, a running back in 2022, you flip, you know, Jordan James. Like I said, like you said, I think that, you know, you kind of have some faith in, in Verdell coming back. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's it's getting really close. I feel like you would have liked to have had Verdell's decision done now that Dye's committed. You know, I, I really feel like they're banking on, on Verdell coming back just because it's getting so close. And, you know, those deadlines are just two days apart. Um, but I don't think that running back is necessarily a priority for the high school ranks for this class. I feel like with the talent coming next year, though, for 2023, I would like to see them uh, go after one of those guys. It's an interesting point you mentioned uh, about Verdell. And as far as the deadline goes, you know, Oregon might be in the position if it really is that close for Verdell. I mean, you got to kind of think the fact that he hasn't announced one way or another yet that he's kind of torn on what he wants to do. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, a, a decision he's going to make lightly, lightly, uh, obviously, you know, with, with uh, how long he's been in Oregon and then the, the love he has for the program. But yeah, Oregon might be in a position where it's like, Hey man, we can't wait. And then they have to make a decision uh, on if they want to take another back. Um, but I do feel pretty good about, you know, having Carball there, but I, I think we both kind of agree that we would like to see one, one back added, um, you know, depending on what happens with Verdell. But the last guy that I think we need to talk about for the running back position is uh, Andrew Paul, right? You know, he's he's a guy that has kind of uh, broke out out of the scene lately. Um, you know, here in the 2022 cycle, he's uh, from Parish Episcopal School out there in the Dallas area. Um, this was a guy, you know, if you guys are on Twitter, you know, following Dylan, myself at mTOR Sports, um, you know, you you saw that uh, Coach Carlos Lachlan and Dan Lanning uh, went in home to visit him. Uh, so that's, you know, a, a guy that uh, the, the staff is clearly interested in at this point. He is currently on a visit to Clemson uh, this weekend. So, you know, with, with that in mind, you know, next weekend kind of serves as that final weekend to, to get guys on campus, particularly in the 2022 class um, before we hit another dead period. And and Paul is a, a guy who's really got that, uh, you know, bell cow back size listed at 5'11", 220. And, uh, you know, I had really put together uh, an impressive senior season. So he's another name that we kind of want to keep an eye on here as the Ducks, you know, kind of work through juggling this running back situation uh, moving forward here as uh, February nears. Yeah, his rating, um, you know, his rankings are, are surprisingly really low, given the numbers I'm looking at and some of the film that I'm seeing. Um, looks like he ran for over 2,600 yards, had 41 rushing touchdowns last year. And I'm only seeing on 247, he's the 90th running back in the class, only a three-star. So maybe he's kind of a, a diamond in the rough. Um, and you love that size, 5'11", 220. Um, you don't find a lot of guys that, you know, in the running back spot that are, you know, coming out of high school at 220 pounds. I mean, that's impressive. So I feel like kind of having a guy like that, because if you can't get Verdell back, then I feel like they're running backs. You don't really have a lot of those bruisers. Um, you know, haven't really seen Cardwell. Maybe he puts on some weight. Um, you know, Sean Dollars, maybe he's been putting on some weight, but, uh, you know, kind of a little bit smaller guys, more Travis Dye kind of guys that can, you know, make cuts and make people miss um, and can fly. But, you know, I feel like you kind of need that third down, you know, fourth down conversion kind of guy, like a Cyrus Habibi Likio of sorts. So I feel like Andrew Paul would be a, a really good one. But 
you know, for, for his ranking, he's, he's getting a lot of really good, uh, really big programs coming after him. looks like he has offers from Notre Dame, took a visit to Michigan. You talked about Clemson, UW's going after him. So, um, you know, there's no shortage of, of teams interested. Um, but I definitely think that he's kind of an underrated guy. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm a, I'm a big fan as well. I mean, it seems like he's he fits that physical brand of football. Not to say that the other guys in Oregon's roster don't, per se, but I think the only guy that you're really confident kind of fits that mold is, is Byron Carwell. Um, but it, it would help to, to add a guy like Paul to, to bring more of his, uh, you know, senior season, you know, into uh, into light here. I'm looking at his stats right now. Uh, it says uh, 2,824 yards. I'm assuming that's rushing. 9.7 yards per carry and 44 touchdowns. So I don't know. I mean, I read a stat line like that and I'm like, that, that's got to be total offense, right? But I mean, he says he has the the yards and the yards per carry, uh, you know, all next to each other. But either way, a very impressive season. You know, he's out in Dallas. You know, I've, I've talked about that area, um, you know, numerous times on the podcast after getting to go out to DeSoto in the fall. You know, he's, you know, he's playing really good schools, uh, good competition. So I think that this is a guy that, I'd like to see, you know, Oregon definitely get in on, but we're seeing, uh, you know, a little bit more clarity. We talk about Broussard uh, potentially, and then Paul and and Jordan James as as some names to watch here at running back as uh, we kind of, um, you know, maybe wrap up our discussion of the running back position. There was one more question I wanted to get to, but um, did you have something that you wanted to say there, Dylan? I just feel like getting back into Texas is uh, really important. I know that Dan Lanning and Lachlan and I think a couple of the other coaches made some stops in Texas. Um, cause now Oregon doesn't have any, uh, signees or, you know, verbal pledges for 2022 in Texas, um, after they had quite a few back in the summer and then they, you know, they moved on after the Cristobal departure. So getting somebody from that state, um, for this class, I think is really important. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to be really important to, to get into Texas. Got another question here uh, on the topic of running backs from Mikey G. Thanks for the question. Mikey G has tuned into a, a lot of these shows. So always 
nice to see names that we're uh, that we recognize coming back uh, to, to tune in. Um, he says, should we be worried that three running backs have hit the portal, two backed out in the last month? Seems strange. It might be a good time to mention that I'm a little worried about Lachlan as the running back coach hire. I mean, yeah, I, I agree on on the basis of it being strange. I was kind of saying that earlier in the show, why how it was kind of surprising that there was so much news around one position. And I think that just this offseason already, it's kind of crazy because Oregon has always had a running back problem, but not like this in the sense problem in the sense of you have so many talented guys. How do you distribute all of those touches? But now they're potentially in a position where it's like, okay, we have guys that we're confident with, but they don't have a huge body of work just yet. You know, Sean Dollars has been here longer, but Carwell has the, the most established body of work out of the bunch so far. And then you're in this position of, of having to wait for Riddell, potentially going into the portal to get a guy that maybe can contribute now. So they're kind of, it's really a, a tough dynamic to, to manage, I think, you know, just from a roster perspective, but I don't think that this makes me worried about Lachlan per se. I mean, I think it's too early to, to judge that right now. Um, you know, obviously he's got to build a relationship with, with the guys on the roster and I'm sure he's had conversations with all of them. Um, but the dude's working his tail off on the recruiting trail. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he was in like five or six different schools in Florida, um, you know, the other day. So he's going all over the place. I saw he stopped at IMG, which was really a huge school out there in Florida. Obviously, everyone knows about them. But then another point I just kind of wanted to add, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to infer this about Lachlan, but I think a, a reason you see some of these, you know, transfers or people entering the portal is, you know, a new coaching. It's not it's not uncommon to see this in a new coaching staff, right? You know, they're going to come in, they're going to make their own opinion uh, about the roster and they're going to, they want to have guys on the roster as much as you can that kind of fit their vision for the program. And, you know, a reality, the reality is, you know, some guys hitting the portal, I mean, I guess all of them really, they're not quote unquote landings guys, like, right. They weren't recruited by this current staff. Um, so I'm not saying that's the case with all of these guys hitting the portal, but I, I do think that it's a, it's a, a, point that's worthwhile in this discussion just that you kind of just see this at, at, at you know schools in general when when a new coach comes in you know you you see quite a bit of movement in the portal well and you know i think a lot of i think something that a lot of oregon fans learned through this process and with guys like seven mcgee hitting the portal and then sean dollars in the portal and then coming back um is that when you enter the transfer portal it's not i'm done with that program anymore like that window is still open it's not a done deal um, and really the only way for them to kind of learn, you know, maybe if Oregon's not the place for me, maybe if there's something else, um, you know, should something, you know, maybe I, I'm not, you know, a priority here or I don't see my fit here with this coaching staff or something like that. The only way for them to really explore that is if they enter the transfer portal. Um, and so you kind of see that with, um, you know, with Sean Dollars and Seven McGee, like they hit the portal just to kind of see who else might be interested in them what other coaching staffs might hit them up um and then if they feel confident enough to return then you know that says a lot about not just their commitment to the program but what the coaching staff has done to to convince them to come back and i think that's one thing with dan lanning and don johnson that i've been really impressed with is that they've brought those guys back after they entered the portal right on well i think one uh we want to hit on um you know some more recruiting points here um, you know, we're probably looking to go about an hour today. So that's about 8 p.m. out here on the West Coast. So we wanted to, to shift a little bit to uh, talking about some of the visitors. 
Um, I have, you know, some a, vi- a visitor list story up on Ducks Digest. Uh, it's a free read that you can go read about um, now and kind of check out some of the names who, who are expected in Eugene this weekend. Uh, like we said, uh, you know, two more weekends here before the uh, February signing period. And, and the Ducks definitely have some big names. The, the one that I want to start off uh, talking about is 2022 cornerback Jalen Davis Robinson out of Waxahachie High School out in Texas. Uh, he's here for an official visit, and I've you know talked to him. Uh, just I just had a write up on you know the the full update with him, and kind of had quotes about what he was saying about Oregon and his recruitment uh, yesterday. But I think that the Ducks are in a great spot with him right now. You know he's he's a guy that um, is still on the market because this is only his second year playing defense, um, and that was kind of a, a cool little tidbit that I was able to learn. Um, but he's got that track speed, man. You know, t- ten five around there in, in the hundred meters. Um, you know, I, I want to say that that's not the most important thing right now, but it, when you're looking at, you know, all the skill talent that Lincoln Riley is bringing to USC and, you know, I think a, a, a cool lens to view this landing higher in the landing era is, you know, landing versus Riley uh, defense for offense versus defense kind of a deal. And, uh, you know, cornerback's definitely a position of need right now with, with James had DJ James heading to Auburn and, and Mikel Wright heading off to the draft. Yeah. And I really liked what I got to see from his, Film. I got to watch a little bit of, of Jalen Davis Robinson and you definitely see him use that speed. You know, he's not a guy that's just flying out there into the wind. Like he uses his feet and his speed really, really well for a guy that's only been playing on defense for, for a couple of years. Um, you know, I, he plays very aggressive. I think that was one thing that he told you was uh, he compared his game to Jalen Ramsey because he plays aggressive and you see that uh, when you watch that film, um, you know, you really like his size six foot one eighty. Um, you know, he, he's got really good hands and he played a uh, receiver before that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you usually see with, with defensive backs. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you, you like his hands, you like his footwork. Um, you know, I really have seen kind of an uptick. It seems like, and, you know, some of these guys who have played corner, but they also play receiver like that. That seems like a, um, a really good way to develop a guy, whether he goes one way or the other, I feel like those, those skills translate. And so, you know, he uses his speed very, very well. Um, and I feel like if you if you really need a guy to, you know, convert and play a little bit of safety, I feel like he I could see that from him as well, just with how aggressive he plays. He's a very willing tackler, pretty good in coverage, um, you know, especially for a guy that's pretty new to defense, but seems to read plays very well, um, kind of sniffs out run plays quite a bit. You see him on corner blitzes a little bit too. So I like his size and I think he would fit in great with, with Oregon. I, I feel like with some of the corners that they've gone after, like, you know, Florence and, and Tucker, you, I kind of see a trend of similar, similar traits a little bit. You can kind of see what, what the coaching staff is after at that position. Yeah. Size and speed definitely seem like uh, some of the, the big things that they're looking for and, and technique. I really liked what you had to say about his physicality with, uh, Jalen Davis Robinson, his nickname is Smoke. Uh, his dad nicknamed him that, which is kind of a, a, a cool little detail. And then just to uh, you know wrap up talking about him a little bit, uh, some of the other schools that are involved with him right now, he, he just took an official visit to Boston College uh, last weekend. Um, and then he, uh, he just got offered by the University of Houston uh, this week. <clears throat> so that was, uh, that was one to watch, obviously, with being an in-state school. Um, he took official visits to UNLV in Wyoming in the fall. So he'll be here at Oregon this weekend if he's not already here. Um, I think, you know, with him being a track guy, the, you know, this is really a dream school for him. And, the you know, track is the option to run track at Oregon is on the table. 
And that was one of the things that he told me was just, you know, talking about how crazy the facilities are. You know, you can obviously tell that Oregon is a school and a team that is really invested in their athletics. So I think Oregon's in a great spot here, but, you know, there are other guys that, that the Ducks are recruiting. So, um, you know, definitely don't want to go as far as saying that, you know, it's a done deal or anything. But um, he was one of the guys that I definitely wanted to talk about that's on that visitor list. Um, we already talked about Jordan James. I think um, as far as the 2022 class, maybe we can just prioritize some of those guys here, Dylan, and then maybe move on to 23 and some of the other guys that we have. I don't think we're going to hit everything here, but that's why the that's why the story is online. So you guys can go read it whenever you're able to. But uh, a guy that I talked to yesterday is 2022 athlete Ar- Arliss Boardingham from uh, Birmingham High School out in Van Nuys, California, so Southern California area. Uh, Ducks are kind of looking at him right now as um, as a kind of hybrid receiver tight end type of deal. Um, he was out in Florida last weekend uh, for his official visit. So it's just kind of looking like a uh, Oregon-Florida battle here as he kind of winds down his recruitment. Um, he was, what he told me is that he was supposed to come out here this weekend, but, uh, there's a member of the Oregon coaching staff that is, uh, you know, pretty involved in his recruitment and, uh, his, he and his wife were expecting their baby to be born this weekend. So obviously kind of, uh, basically the, the, it sounds like the Oregon coach couldn't be there, uh, as much as he wanted to, if, if his wife does in fact end up having the baby. So, um, he since said that he's going to reschedule it for next weekend, but I think, I think if that visit goes well, you know, um, Dillingham, uh, has been one of the primary recruiters there. And with distance being on Oregon's side here, which is kind of a rare scenario, I think that if that visit goes well, Dylan, I think that they might be able to to seal them up. And I think that tight end position is an interesting one just because they have everybody coming back. You have guys who were hurt that are coming back. So I wonder if they would maybe prefer him at a receiver spot just because there's a little less depth there, a little less proven depth even. And at 6'5", 230, that's tight end size. And if you line up, if you line them up out wide, that's you know, that's, that's definitely dangerous. Um, but I, I know that you wrote that he makes, um, you know, he, he takes some snaps at Wildcat, even uh, some stuff out of the backfield a little bit. Um, so I really like his athleticism. He runs track too, which is another thing I read about him. Um, so his athleticism at his size, that's pretty scary. So I feel like if Oregon was to land him, I don't think you need tight ends, but if you can kind of line them out wide at, at that size, that's, that's a mismatch for anybody. That was a point I was going to hit on a little bit, Dylan, you know, because the the Ducks lost Andre Dollar late in the, or kind of at the last minute in the early signing period when he flipped to Washington State, which is kind of just wild to to see. I mean, I talked to him and he was pretty locked in, but that was a long time ago and yeah. under the old coaching staff. So I'm, I agree with you. I don't think that tight ends a need right now, but they do need wide receivers. Um, and, you know, with, with a guy like this, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like, you know, do you, are you looking at like a Juwan Johnson kind of situation? You know, a guy who was a bigger receiver in, at the college level and then ended up being converted to kind of a full-time tight end. But uh, I think that he's definitely someone that's uh, pretty interesting for the Ducks to look at here. Uh, another note to, to, you know, kind of add, I said it on our forums yesterday. If you guys aren't tuned in over there, um, you know, I post some, some recruiting nuggets there and um, kind of some buzz every now and then. So definitely go check out Ducks Digest forums, but um, Florida went to, uh, see him at school this week. So, you know, they, they had him on campus last weekend and then they flew their staff out to, you know, one of their staff members to go see him. So that's obviously pretty big and it shows you how much, you know, Florida is really pushing in this recruitment, but I, I think he's definitely a super intriguing option, uh, on the offensive side of the ball without a doubt. 
Yeah, and, you know, they've missed out on a ton of receivers. I mean, they had a bunch committed, and then they all moved on. Um, and, you know, and you had Devin Williams, who was that super tall target, move on as well, go to the NFL. So I feel like if you, you can get that, you know, that big, really strong, um, you know, guy that you can move around anywhere, it sounds like, and he's got that speed at that size, that's that's a win. But, um, you know, Florida, I thought that was interesting that it sounds like it's between Oregon and Florida based on, you know, his location from Van Nuys, California. Kind of surprised not to see, you know, a USE out there because, you know, it looks like I think Michael Trigg and Brew McCoy were both in the transfer portal last I saw. Um, so I, I kind of thought maybe they'd go for a, a little bit of a bigger, more physical receiver or a tight end and just because of, of that movement. No doubt. Well, um, kind of wanted to keep going here on talking about some more guys, and I don't know why I wasn't putting highlights up here, so let me – Get some highlights of our next guy up here. Uh, bear with me here. We're going to be talking about Jaden Rashada, 2023 quarterback from Pittsburgh High School out in uh, Pittsburgh, California. So that's Northern California for for those unfamiliar. Um, you know, he, he's uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, you know, watching his highlights here, uh, he is uh, ranked the number five quarterback, I believe, in the 2023 class by 247 Sports. Uh, he was a guy that was on campus to, to visit Oregon for a game in the 2021 season. Ducks ended up offering him um, under the old staff. So um, I wonder if, uh, you know, it's still a situation where it's like he needs to be reoffered technically. But clearly with him being back on campus uh, this weekend, there, there's a uh, mutual interest from both parties and it's an unofficial visit. So, you know, he's flying out on, on his own dime. Um, and uh, I think with, with him, you know, he really – you know, he, he presents a great opportunity for this class because he can really do it all as a quarterback. He's mobile. He's got the deep ball. He can make all the throws. But, uh, you know, when you're looking at a recruiting class, you kind of want to get those quarterbacks early, right, Dylan? Because then you can kind of build your class around them, uh, you know, sell the possibility of, you know, hey, like if you're talking to a receiver, you want to be catching touchdown passes from from Rashada here. You know, he's going to be our guy. And then just another kind of just, you know, sub line here is just it's an opportunity for Oregon to get an elite West coast quarterback and keep him out West, keep him in the pac 12, something that we're, we haven't been seeing too much of lately. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a done deal that like when you bring in a quarterback like this is, you know, you've kind of seen it with, with you get brought in Tanner Bailey last year, or I guess this year um, and he's moved on. So yeah, I, I really like that point about you bring in a quarterback and kind of build your recruiting class, your offensive class around him. But I feel like keeping him away from the Pac-12, that's that's an even better point, just because you've seen some of these young quarterbacks, um, you know, at other programs kind of come in and, and contribute right away. Speaking about, you know, USC and Slovis a couple years ago and Jackson Dart this year, thought he, I didn't think he was going to enter the portal, but you really want to see, you know, a guy like this come to, come to Oregon and, you know, keep that California portal going because it seems like Oregon is always – kind of dominated but now with the usc and lincoln riley and everything they're putting together you know you, you want to take guys out of california and away from the men of troy but i'm i'm loving what i'm <clears throat> what i'm seeing from his from his deep ball and you know his ability to just kind of let it fly with accuracy i mean there he's he's throwing in some tight windows here i mean i know a lot of guys in high school are, are wide open but um it's really impressive what i'm seeing his ability to you know the timing and accuracy yeah, and then just I have some some quotations from Rashada because I spoke with him the last time he was here in Eugene talking about kind of what stood out. Another cool little nugget here 
for people who aren't aware, uh, he'll see a familiar face uh, in in Eugene this week, assuming he's in town in Jay Butterfield. Uh, they actually played on the on the same high school team, uh, Liberty, um, before uh, Rashada ultimately ended up, uh, you know, finding a new spot. Um, so him and Jay Butterfield are friends. So that's obviously, you know, a, a great situation for for Oregon. You know, being able to talk to Butterfield and and you know, hey, here's what it's like to be a quarterback here. You know, what it's like in Eugene. Um, and then, you know, what it's like being a Northern California guy making the move to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but just uh, kind of asked Rashada what stood out the most about uh, Oregon. And he said, this is what he had to say, just the situation and what they do for their quarterbacks. They produce quarterbacks. They do a good job at that and playing for a good coach, great group of coaches is big for me. And then he wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, Crystal Ball and Moorhead, but obviously those guys aren't here yet. So I think this is a, or any more rather. I think this is a good opportunity for Oregon because it's, uh, you know, the the staff can can show him that he's still a priority, uh, and it's good for him to to meet the the new staff. You know, Kenny Dillingham obviously is a guy he's going to be working closely with as the new OC and uh, quarterbacks coach. So this is uh, definitely someone that I think uh, you know Oregon needs to prioritize here. But the state of California is pretty pretty good uh, with quarterbacks in the 2023 class. Well, if in, in heaven forbid, if if something were to happen down the line with the Ty Thompson and Butterfield and they get injured or, you know, there's movement in the transfer portal or something like that, you kind of have this guy um, or really any quarterback in, in that class that you can, um, my goodness, um, that you can, uh, you know, you can rely on and, and know that you have him um, in your back pocket. But yeah, this guy, I mean, I'm looking at him, he can make a lot of throws. All right. Well, uh, I have one more guy I wanted to talk to or talk about rather uh, on this podcast. Uh, and then we can go ahead and um, maybe see if there's any more um, any more guys that we want to talk about. So let me see if I can get it up here uh, on the screen, get his highlights up here. That is, if you can see on my screen, 2023, uh, Ginebro Sarah High School cornerback Roderick Pleasant. Uh, you know, coming out of the Los Angeles area. Um, I think this is a big visit for the Ducks, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. I think that defensive backs definitely a, a need uh, for the Ducks in 2023. Um, you know, obviously we talked about corner and how, uh, you know, there, there just aren't a lot of like really proven guys for Oregon right now um, with uh, TriQuest Bridges and uh, Dante Manning. You know, they both showed flashes last year, but, um, I think that, you know, defensive back and, and with, you know, how much passing we're seeing in college football, I think you really got to try to get elite defensive backs. And and Pleasant is definitely one of the best out there on the West Coast. And I think that when I think about Jennifer Sarah, you know, you'll think about, think back to uh, LV Bunkley Shelton. He's a wide receiver at uh, Arizona State. He's a guy that, uh, you know, the Ducks were really in on for a long time during his recruitment. But that's just a name that comes to mind when I think of this school. And then with, with Pleasant, I think about uh, Demetrius Martin, Coach Meat, and you know his connections out in the LA area and and all up and down the West Coast. I think that you know this is a guy that you know Martin can can really prioritize early in the cycle and and uh, you know get things started off on the right foot because I think it's been a while since Pleasant's been in Eugene. Coach Meat, God, I love that, <laughs> I love that nickname. Um, when when I started seeing Colorado guys calling him that on Twitter, I was like, what? But yeah, I love it. Um, and I think Juniper, um, how do you say it, Juniper? I think it's Junipero. They just say Jay Sarah out, out there. Sarah. So maybe that's easier. Okay. Well, I know they brought, um, they got Brian Addison from there as well. Um, yep. Good call. Know, went from, yeah, went from receiver to, to safety. So 
Um, you know, in 2023, they already have Cole Martin committed at corner. Um, so it, you can never really have too many cornerbacks, especially with, you know, like we talked about before, you never know with the transfer portal, people can move. Um, you know, you just, you can never really guarantee what any one position is going to look like in the future, but you know, they have a lot of young, young talent at the cornerback position. And it's a little bit, you know, they didn't get a whole lot of experience, especially starting experience with some of those guys that they're going to have outside of, of Bridges and Manning. You know, you're looking at guys like Jalen Davies, got a little bit more playing time than some of the other guys. Um, Avante Dickerson's another one I kind of wanted to see a little bit more. And then Darren Barkins was a guy that I was hearing a lot of really good things about in the spring and in the fall and hope to see some improvement of next year. Um, but I really like the idea of just kind of stacking these corners because you can never really have too many, especially with guys that, you know, play offense as well or can play safety. You know, they play more physical. You can move them back. Um, so you can never really have too many defensive backs, especially when, you know, there's not a whole lot of experience right right now. Yeah, to- totally agree to all those points. I mean, when we're kind of just looking at him right now on film, if you guys are watching on uh, YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, we can kind of see some of the things that stand out about his game, right? I mean, the-, the biggest thing that stood out just from the first play, which was a kick return, this dude's fast. He's super fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's really physical with his hands and, uh, you know, does a good job in coverage. And, and I think that also if you're Oregon, you kind of want to be able to pick your spots. You know, obviously there's, you know, recruiting hotbeds and, and pipelines that the Ducks have set up. But I think when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at uh, the Southern California area, you know, what positions do you kind of think of? You think of uh, elite quarterbacks, you think of skill positions. And, and I think more recently, you're also looking at some really good defensive backs. Um, you know, I, I believe a, a Dory Jackson went to Jay Sarah as well. Um, I'm seeing if I can look this up. Okay. Yeah, he did. Um, and then I think that, uh, Robert Woods did too. So like, they've just been producing great players for a long time, but I bring that up to kind of say, you know, if you can get, uh, you know, pick your spots here and, and get back into Southern California a little bit more, the ducks only have one guy right now in, in the LA area, I guess I should say in the 2022 class and, uh, offensive line signee, Michael Wooten, but they also have Jaleel Tucker out of, uh, you know, the San Diego area. Um, which is great. And I think honestly gets written off quite a bit when people think about Southern California football, they just want to latch on to LA, right? Cause there's so many powerhouse programs there, but uh, San Diego has got some ballers for sure. But I think that if you can, if you can get a, a guy like Pleasant, then you really put yourself in, in good position and you compare him with, with Cole Martin. And um, I think that the Ducks are in a great spot to, to get a good relationship started here. And, and you also have to think, you know, with landing and a, a defensive minded kind of program that, um, he could definitely emerge as an early priority for the staff. Well, I think one of the, the points that you brought up earlier with, with Jaden Rashada and, you know, kind of prying him away from some of those Southern California, um, you know, some of those programs applies even more here just because, you know, USC has been dominating Jay Sarah. They're, they're all over those guys. You mentioned Robert Woods, Adore Jackson. Those guys are both former Trojans. Marquise Lee also came from there. Rasheem Green, Deontay Burnett. Um, I mean, they, they just get everybody from there um, and they produce those guys from there. So um, I believe I saw that USC had offered and they were they were pretty hot on his trail. So um, if they can pry him away from USC, particularly, that would be that would be huge because like it's it's they're kind of up against something there where, you know, they have proven development from guys uh, of guys from that school specifically. Um, and I've turned them to the league and they've been very, very solid pros. So 
it's it's kind of hard to to go against that. But you know, definitely there's a lot of room for for a guy like Pleasant to you know to compete at cornerback. Absolutely, and uh, you know we didn't get to talk about everybody on the the visitor list. That's why you guys should definitely go check out some of the names that we have listed coming to Eugene for a visit this weekend over on Ducks Digest. But before we get out of here, Dylan, I mean, are there any kind of just closing thoughts here about you know your thoughts on do you want to add anything about die? I know that's obviously the biggest news of the day. Or Oregon recruiting in 2022. It's it's kind of crazy because you have to toe the line here, looking at a. Uh, you know, the 20, finishing the 2022 class as strong as you can. But, uh, you know, you got to maintain some spots and you got to manage your scholarship numbers heading to 23. So there's just a ton of stuff going on here and it's not even football season anymore. Yeah, it's just it's just over. And it feels like we're in this whole it's like a whole new season. It's like free agency now um, where you're just seeing so much movement. But the one thing I will mention is um, if you're tuning in late, make sure to go back and, and hear my uh I rant about people that are trashing Travis Dye. Um, but no, I think another guy that I really want to see Oregon prioritize for 2023 is Jaden Wayne um, to get him out of the grips of some of those West Coast, particularly Washington. They've been all over him since, you know, last year, really. I talked to him last year. He was very, very high in Oregon. Sounds like he still is. Um, just visited there again. So um, I'm very excited to see if they can, you know, prioritize him and, and bring him in just because they missed out on Cyrus Moss for 22. I was kind of hoping they would get that, you know, really fast hybrid outside linebacker defensive end guy. I think Jaden Wayne would be a guy that they could build around for the future. Cause I think he told me like they want him to be the next, you know, cave on. They can kind of move him at that spot. Obviously he was talking to Tim DeRuiter and, and, you know, Ken Wilson and guys like that that are no longer there, but I still feel like what you've seen from Dan Lanning's defense and, um, you know, and Polich's defenses and Tosh Lupoy's defenses, like they've always got really dominant guys coming off the edge. Um, and I think that he could be the next guy at Oregon to to kind of fill that role. James Wayne's definitely a priority for Oregon right now. Yeah, I talked about talked to him about his visit last week. And then, uh, you know, Dan Lanning kind of took things a step further and, and he got to uh, meet up with Tracy Ford, uh, who's, uh, you know, a major figure and, and coach out in the, uh, you know, seven on seven scene, football scene in general, uh, high school football scene uh, out there in the Seattle area. So um, we talked about, you know, Co- Coach Lachlan going all over the place. Lanning's been going all over the place as well. So important for the Ducks to, to you know, the new staff to, to build those relationships um, all, all at the same time. You know, every school is doing it. They're all all their coaches are hitting the road and, and going to high school is to, to see players. Um, so definitely encouraging to see. Uh, um, Coach Landing get out to um, Lincoln High School and you know the Tacoma area to uh, you know basically you know just introduce himself to these coaches and start building those relationships. But um, kind of some of my final thoughts, you know, it's it's uh, I think that maybe the 2022 recruiting cycle. I think I'm feeling pretty good about them getting Florence back on board, just with how much they they saw him. You know, they put pulled up for that midnight visit and they were seeing him. They were visiting as late as like 2:30 on that video that Florence posted, and then. They had a he posted a picture with him and Grayson Halton, who's another San Diego prospect that's committed to Oregon, didn't sign though. And, uh, you know, it was um, th- those two uh, with a couple members of the Oregon staff. So, feeling a little bit better about uh, maybe keeping Halton in the fold here. But uh, I think that we maybe, I'm not saying we won't see a, a strong finish to 2022, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying. You know, I don't think that if I'm Dan Landing, I'm going to be scrambling or, or having any kind of like, you know, sudden moves because 
that could carry over to 2023. And that's, like I've said before, that's going to be the first full recruiting class for Dan Lanning and this new staff and, and their chance to really get all the guys that they want um, since, you know, it'll be after the coaching transition. So I'm excited to see how they, how they end here. I think they'll definitely get some solid guys, but Oregon's in a position to be pretty darn selective um, just because, you know, there, you have a new coaching staff and and the roster already uh, at hand here is, is definitely a, a good one to work with. It's not like they're working with, uh, you know, that the, you know, uh, gosh, I was trying to think of what I was going to say. I was on a, I was on a roll there. Um, <laughs> like breadcrumbs, they're not working with scraps, you know, with some, yeah. like some of these other programs, like Mario Cristobal and the staff left this roster in pretty darn good shape. And I think most of the talent, there's, I'm not trying to say one side is better than the other, but I think a lot of the recruited talent really lies on the defensive side of the ball, just because that's where we really, really saw to see, started to see a big uh, kind of transformation on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think that was more prominent on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. I think one of the last guys I wanted to talk about when you, you mentioned Florence um, is Dave Uli. It was one of those, you know, guys that committed and then, you know, didn't sign and then ended up decommitting. Um, you know, he's apparently a lot more on Miami's um, trail on their radar than I thought. He took a visit out there up uh, right before the Polynesian Bowl, which is where he's at right now. Um, and he, he seemed to love it out there. He, he was living it up out there. So and I know USC was, I think, the number two, if I remember right. It's been a while since I've talked to him. But, um, you know, USC was kind of that number two. And he took a visit out there. He loved it out there. And now, obviously, the the whole coaching staff is is different since he last visited. Um, I know he's still considering Oregon as well. But you know, to have there's there's going to be a lot of you know veteran guys on that offensive line that are going to be gone after after 22 um, for Oregon. So you know, to have that guy in your back pocket, to have you know a guy that's you know got the Polynesian connection, um, you know, a guy that absolutely loved Oregon, had nothing but great things to say about Oregon before. You know, wants to be the next Penny Sewell. I remember him telling me about that. Um, you know, I feel like he's a he's another priority as well. But I don't think I've heard that they've you know gone to visit him or anything like that, as far as I know. But he's been traveling, going to Miami and, and Hawaii as well. Yeah, he's going to be one that's. Uh, I'm curious to see how that kind of unfolds because he went out to Miami, and you know, obviously when he was committed to Oregon, it was a mirror ball, crystal ball deal. Um, you know, those are some really, really good recruiters, as we obviously know from their uh, time here at Oregon. Um, but, you know, like we were talking about earlier, USC hasn't made a bunch of noise in the trenches in particular. And I do know from yep. what you were saying, because before he committed to Oregon, you were kind of our lead, lead uh, you know, recruit expert on, on Yuli's recruitment, talking to him. And he was really liking uh, USC. I believe you were saying it was it was important for him that his family was able to see his games. You know, it seems like he's yep. a, a very family oriented guy. So got to kind of think, you know, just going from, uh, you know, Puyallup area to, to LA is a lot closer than going all the way across the country. So I was kind of of the belief, I think he's going to get out there to Miami to, to kind of take that in and enjoy that experience. Now he's at the Poly Bowl um, out there in, in Honolulu. So, um, you know, not making any visits this weekend, but, um, you know, still, uh, still has that next weekend open, I believe, to, to make a trip. So maybe he's one of those guys that the Oregon staff is, is trying to get back on campus, you know, get him to meet with Adrian Clem and Dan Lanning um, just to maybe try to get him back in the fold because they only have two offensive linemen now for the uh, 2022 class right now. That's right. Yeah, Kawika Rogers uh, recently committed. That's right. Um, yeah, Yuli is, you know, an absolute mauler. I think he's a guy that would fit in great with the culture. 
Um, but the, the thing is, is he absolutely adored Cristobal and, you know, and Alex Mirabal. He basically said the reason why he committed to Oregon was because of Alex Mirabal. And so that makes you think, you know, he'd be more willing to go across the country um, to go play for him and, and Cristobal at Miami. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that you brought up about he, he really wanted to stay home, um, close to home rather to, you know, have his family be there. Um, but I mean, when you, we just have that connection, that relationship with those coaches and, you know, you know, that they can develop you and, you know, and, and promise you everything that you want. Um, you know, that's, it, that's hard to beat, but I definitely say the top three for him would be USC, Miami and Oregon. But I, I'm unfortunately feeling like Oregon's kind of fallen out of, of touch with him a little bit. Yeah, that might be the case. I mean, I, everyone, that's, what's so hard is like, you know, there's, if, if someone's not posting stuff on social media, it can be a little hard to tell. Uh, you know, yeah. where they're at exactly with, with all those things. So for all we know, the staff could have visited him. We just don't know. Yeah. Um, I need, you know, I'm, I'm trying to trying to get in touch with him. And, and I know that you've been a guy who's been able to talk to him a lot. So got to kind of see what's going on there. Um, one last visitor that, uh, you know, I kind of just wanted to talk about really quick here before we get out doing um, was uh, Kamari Terrell, who's a 2022, you know, athlete, primarily looking like a defensive back. Um that uh, is looking at Oregon and he's actually uh, in Eugene now. Um, so we can share my screen here and, um, you know, just see who's see some pictures here of, of him on his visit. Uh, he's a, a 2022 prospect, like I said, uh, out of Shoemaker high school uh, out there in Texas. I'm trying to get his profile up here. But my mouse isn't working. So you just give me a second here. Um, Let's see. So, yeah, it's uh, out of Shoemaker High School in Keeling, Texas. Uh, kind of some of the other schools that are involved right now. It looks like uh, Baylor, Clemson, and, and Florida, even uh, SC as well. So uh, definitely a big visitor for Oregon, seeing that they're they're looking for uh, a cornerback to, to, you know, add in this 2022 class. I think even if Florence it gets back in the fold, you probably want to get another cornerback because that's a really big, um, really big position of need. So I think that's obviously pretty big, but I just wanted to get that in before we uh, hopped off the pod here. Yeah, I like his size too, 6'1", 180. I was looking at a little bit. It looks like it's between Oregon and Baylor. Um, you know, that Texas connection is definitely big, but like I talked about earlier, it's it's really important to get back some of those guys in Texas because, you you know, they had so many and then they, they all left. And it's just, yeah, that's one of those states that's just a hotbed for talent and um, you know, Terrell looks like he's, uh, you know, he's nothing short of a super talented corner. Right on. All right. Well, um, I think that'll do it for, for this episode of the Ducks podcast. Uh, where can people find more of you, Dylan, and all your work? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at DRK Sports News. Follow me over there. I finally hit 7,400 followers. Uh, feels like it's been a long time coming from 7,300 to 7,400. Um, but I appreciate everybody that's been, that's been following along. Um, you know, I post football stuff, basketball stuff, try to get a little bit into recruiting as well. Um, and then follow everybody at Ducks Digest as well. Um, I'm sure you'll, you'll plug where everybody can follow along with the site, but anybody that's got Ducks Digest on their name, make sure to give them a follow. Absolutely. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at the name right there on your screen. Oh, I even pointed to the right spot. Max Ooh. Torres <laughs> at <Dang>. M Torres sports. <laughs> At mTOR Sports is the username. If you guys are watching on YouTube, uh, thank you so much for watching. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me, please. Uh, it only takes a second out of your day, and it's completely free and is a tremendous help to what we're doing here uh, covering the Ducks. 
And then if you want to find more Oregon Ducks content, you can find us at ducksdigest.com, uh, covering the Ducks for SI. And then you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ducks Digest, uh, covering hoops, football, recruiting. We got it all going on over there. And, and also check out Ducks Digest forums because we're looking to grow the community and bring uh, all that great discussion between the awesome Oregon fans that are, are uh, following all the content. But that'll do it for this one, guys. I uh, really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to Dylan for some awesome discussion tonight. Everybody take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.